Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. You know, it's it's pretty fascinating. I don't know if you saw the video we showed it last night on Hannity. Uh, there's a couple of GoFundMe pages. One allows a page for this Minneapolis gunman, Andrew Sundberg, um, a guy that was shooting into the home of this mother with young children. Thank God nobody was killed. But you see, we showed you the bullet holes last night all over the house. And she's the woman when the police, a, a sharpsman in Minneapolis, ended up taking this guy out. Um, you know, then there was a Black Lives Matter protest and she confronted Black Lives uh, Matters activists saying this is not a George Floyd event. Go look at the bullet holes. They tried to kill. He tried to kill me and my children. Anyway, GoFundMe is now collecting a small fortune uh, for this guy on his GoFundMe page. On the other hand, GoFundMe uh, is not allowing uh, a a page for Jose uh, Alba, uh, the guy that was working, the bodega worker that was working that was attacked and used a knife to defend himself. And their answer is, uh, quote, our terms of service prohibit fundraising for the legal defense of a violent crime. Well, he's not convicted of a violent crime. And at this point, the fundraiser has been removed and all donors have been refunded. Now, as it relates to the GoFundMe page uh, that's going on for this guy that was firing bullets into this home. The fundraiser states donations will go towards funeral, food, family expenses. Fundraisers for these types of expenses are allowed under GoFundMe terms. So go, go explain that to me. We had over the weekend, we talked about it yesterday. You know, I'm looking at, for example, in today's Wall Street Journal, the food court in Indiana's Greenwood Park Mall. The food court was in the intended target of a mass shooter. He fired 24 
uh, rounds, killed three people until uh, he was 20 years old. The guy that fired the shots, Jonathan uh, Sapperman is his name, fired 24 shots before he was taken out by a hero gun owner, 22-year-old kid, um, who's identified as Alicia Dickin or Elijah Dickens, depending on how you pronounce it, it is different spelling. But anyway, the guy, the shooter had another hundred rounds stored in a nearby bathroom where he'd been hiding out before the attack. So obviously he intended to keep shooting as long as he could. And but for this brave individual stepping up who happened to have a handgun and he's been heralded as a hero and a good Samaritan as he should be. And anyway, police identified the shooter and this guy saved God only knows countless lives. This was this was a potential for a mass shooting disaster. But, of course, the media mob freaks out, just like they freaked out when the Supreme Court recognized that a right enumerated in the Constitution, and that being the Second Amendment, the right of the people to keep and to bear arms. It doesn't say arms, meaning muskets. Keep arms shall not be infringed. And the Supreme Court upheld that with the New York Gun Club case. And this is how the media mob reacted to that. We just received some very disturbing news from Washington that the Supreme Court of the United States of America has stripped away the state of New York's right and responsibility to protect its citizens with a decision which we are still digesting, which is frightful in its scope. This decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. The fact that the court um, is coming down with this decision feels tone deaf, and I, th- I worry that it undermines the legitimacy uh, of the courts. It seems, I don't even have the words, it seems stupid. No, it's worse than that. It's no, worse it's than insane. that. It's not even it's stupid. It is, it's, it's, no, it's, it's so, it's such a middle finger to New York. Many of us are deeply concerned and troubled by the Supreme Court's ruling today. Um, it, it, I believe, defies common sense and um, the Constitution of the United States. Frankly, Katie, New York City will look a lot more like Alabama once this ruling goes into place, with guns widely available, with concealed carry. We've known for a lot of years, because we've reported a lot of years on this program, how uh, when you have more guns available, you have less crime, statistically speaking. John Lott has written more guns, less crime, and has written updated versions of this for years. He's the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And anyway, speaking before the House Judiciary Committee, taking up a bill that would ban most rifles this week. And he said the term assault weapon is nonsensical. First, the AP's highly influential style book, followed by the news media, is is recognizing that fact as the AP now acknowledges the term conveys little meaning and is highly politicized. Politicians will obviously continue calling AR-15s assault weapons and weapons of war, as President Biden did. And as many seem to think AR means assault rifle when it stands, you know, for something that is not assault rifle. Armalite rifle is actually how you say it. Uh, after the company that developed this this firearm in 19 uh, sometime in the 1950s. Anyway, the media is now finally recognizing that AR or AK style rifles designated for the civilian market are fundamentally different than military weapons. Anyway, John joins us now. I I, I look at this guy, Elijah Dickens, a 22 year old kid in this mall. He didn't have to risk his life. This guy's 
fired 24 shots into a food court, killed three people already, could have killed many more, and had 100 rounds more in the bathroom that he can go back to very quickly. Uh, but for the bravery of this young kid, I, we don't know how many people might have died here. Right. I mean, he ran to the sound of gunshots. I mean, we've seen recently, you know, people are human. We just saw in Uvalde, Texas, uh, police being afraid to go in to a place where there was a gun because they were worried about getting shot. And yet this individual, this young man, ran towards the gunshots that he heard. And he undoubtedly, as you say, saved many lives. In all your studies and all the years, we don't really hear a lot about people using guns in self-defense, protecting people. One of the arguments I've always had with anti-gun liberals, anti-Second Amendment liberals is, well, let me ask you a question. What happens if it's midnight and somebody breaks into your house and they want to bring harm to you and your family? What are you going to do? More often than not, the answer is predictable. I'll get on the phone and I'll call 911. Even with the fastest response team on record, that's still not enough time to stop the incident. Whatever's going to happen will happen in the interim. Basically, you are allowing yourself at that point to be a sitting duck at the mercy of a criminal that doesn't obey laws by the very nature of being a criminal. Police are extremely important. Anybody who's read my academic work knows that I think police are the single most important factor for reducing crime. But at the same time, police themselves understand that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred. And that raises the question about what people should do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves. And telling people to behave passively is not very good advice. By far the safest course of action, and this is particularly true for people who are relatively weaker physically, women and the elderly, because you're almost talking about young males doing the violent crimes and when a man is attacking a woman or an elderly person there's a lot larger strength difference that exists there than when you're talking about a man attacking another man i would argue it's the most vulnerable people in our society who benefit the most from having the option to be able to go and protect themselves one quick comment about the Indiana case. You know, they had red flag laws. They didn't stop this individual from doing it. What they did have, though, recently passed constitutional carry, which made it possible for this young man, this 22-year-old, to go and stop the attack. Well, well why are so many people offended that he's being called a hero and a good Samaritan? Uh, because they're blinded by their hatred of guns so much. I mean, you go and look at Michael Bloomberg's gun control groups, people who are out on Twitter. And they're very upset that anybody would call this individual who ran towards the sound of gunfire a good Samaritan or a hero. I don't know what else you would go and call somebody who goes and saves multiple lives. But I have to tell you, the media has been very irresponsible in terms of these mass public shootings. They're responsible, I believe, unfortunately, for many of these attacks. Because if you read the diaries, if you read the manifestos from these killers, what you find over and over again, they say, if I can only kill more people than such and such killed, I can get more media attention. They thrive. Their goal is to get media attention. And they know the more people they kill, the more people, the more media attention that they're going to be able to go and obtain. The question you have to ask yourself is how do you reduce the media attention? I'm not going to go and argue we should go and get rid of the First Amendment. But there are things that you can do, particularly making sure somebody is there quickly on the scene 
in order to go and stop them. The faster somebody can get there, the more you're going to limit the number of people that they're going to be able to kill or wound, and the more you're going to be able to limit the amount of media attention that they're going to be able to go and get. You know, after the Buffalo shooting case, the media ignored the parts of the manifesto where this killer explained in detail why he picked the target that he did. He wanted to go to a place where he knew the civilians there would not have concealed handguns for protection. I can give you dozens of these diaries and manifestos where these killers explicitly say they're targeting a place where they know their victims can't defend themselves because that will allow them to go and kill more people and allow them to get more media attention. But yet you will search in vain for any media coverage, any news media coverage of that basic, simple fact that was there. And yet you would think these guys care so much about stopping these attacks, but they give a huge amount of media coverage and they refuse to talk about how these gun-free zones actually serve as magnets, that these killers may be crazy in some sense, but they're not stupid. They know if they go to a gun-free zone where civilians are banned, they're going to kill more people. The Uvalde case, 30% of the schools in Texas uh, have armed teachers. Unfortunately, not that, that school. The Tulsa uh, hospital attack, again, a gun-free zone. Uh, as I just mentioned, the Buffalo case. You go through 96% of these mass public shootings take place in areas where civilians are banned. Now, gun control people would say, well, good guys with guns don't stop these attacks because they'll go and they'll point out, look, in the Buffalo case, there was an armed uh, guard there. Well, that's true. But the thing is, having somebody in uniform with, and having them be the only person with a gun, who do you think the attackers take out first? They have an almost impossible job there. It's kind of like somebody in uniform. If they're the only person with a gun, it's kind of like a neon sign above them that says shoot them first. They have an incredibly difficult job. If you had people with concealed handgun permits, it would actually make the job of that officer or that guard much easier because if the person attacking them attacks, they reveal their position, and now they have to worry that somebody behind them or to the side that they can't identify beforehand might also have a gun and be able to stop them. All right, more with John Lott. I think every school should have undercover retired police, retired military, but specifically trained in the safety of schools, for example, to stop school shootings. One way into the school, one way out. Emergency contingencies, probably every other door would have an alarm on it so people can't open it. And I think that would protect uh, all these schools from these devastating shootings. I think Uvalde was an anomaly in as much as the cops. I mean, watching this video is heartbreaking to me because I know so many officers, people that are in law enforcement, and that is the exact opposite of how they all right. would react and, and how they're trained to react. Um, you also have to add to the equation. I mean, things have gotten dramatically worse in terms of police being able to do their job. Uh, look at the defund movement. Look at the no bail laws. Look at the dismantle police department. You know, look at people not being charged if they go into a store in, in San Francisco or other cities. And as long as they don't take a thousand dollars worth of stuff, they're OK. They can walk right out the door. Um, that is now commonplace. We have about 30 seconds. I mean, you and I understand why violent crimes increase, even if uh, Democrats don't. 
that you have defunding the police. New York City has cut its police budget by a billion dollars a year. You have district attorneys who are refusing to prosecute people. You have bail reform that's there. We could go on. But, you know, Biden wants to make it solely about guns. You know, less than 8% of violent crime involves guns. The way you reduce violent crime with guns is the same way you reduce all violent crime, the other 92-plus percent, and that is you make it risky for criminals to go and commit crime. Higher when, they don't, when they know there's a risk, when they know there's going to be consequences, when they know there's going to be pushback, I think the odds of them taking that chance are greatly reduced, and the odds of them being successful uh, hopefully uh, shift to the safety and security of innocent people that are, that are trapped uh, during these moments. Anyway, John Lott, appreciate it as uh, always, president of the Crime Prevention Research Thank Center. You. Thank you for giving us facts the mob and the media will never give us or politicians will never give us. Stops working for the good of the country. Sean Hannity with behind-the-scenes information on today's breaking news. Hannity is on right now. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. So after Glenn Youngkin won by a significant margin in the Commonwealth of Virginia and you know, we weren't paying as close attention to New Jersey as we should have. And I said, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Like, for example, Lee Zeldin running against Kathy Hochul or Kathleen Hochul, the governor of New York, I would argue has a chance if this becomes and develops into a wave election. Unlike other people, I'm not I'm not jumping the gun and making bold predictions about a, a, a massive wave election uh, i'll believe it when i see it i'm cautiously optimistic uh it's going to be up to you the american people to make sure that that all happens uh but i decided that i'm not going to ignore races just because the odds are usually low in a general election for example maryland has had a rhino governor by the name of larry hogan uh who's trying to get another rhino apparently into office uh, I know President Trump has supported Dan Cox for governor in Maryland. That primary is taking place tomorrow. Uh, Dave Bossy knows a lot about the race. We brought him on for a couple of minutes to give us an update on what's going on. I'm sorry, that primary is today. And to get, get some uh, updates as to what's happening in this race and why that you think this is a winnable race. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me back. Look, you're exactly right. Just like New Jersey, Maryland is on the cusp. And once again, uh, Republicans can keep their seat. Larry Hogan has been the only thing uh, between the radical leftists in Annapolis uh, and the citizens of Maryland. He's the only thing that's standing in the way of higher taxes and, and bigger bureaucracies in the state. But today is a day where Marylanders, Republicans in their primary, can elect Dan Cox, uh, who is the conservative in the race. He's in the state house right now, and he's going up against Larry Hogan's Kelly Schultz endorsed, uh, as, as his endorsed candidate. Uh, and it's just been, it's, it's really a grudge match, what it's boiling down to between Tr- President Trump and Larry Hogan. You know what's been fascinating to watch, and I know you follow this as I do. It seems that anybody that Donald Trump supports, 
you get groups that claim to be conservative, and I'll mention one of them. Um, and by the way, Steve Moore, I want to make sure I, I point out, even though he founded the Club for Growth, is not a part and has not been a part of the Club for Growth for many, many years now. He's part of another organization. Uh, if you listen regularly to this program, you know that. But it seems like they anybody that Trump supports, they want to go in and and assist with the Trump opponent just to try to make President Trump look bad. Now, I know a lot of people, the reputation of Club for Growth has always been that they're conservative, and it was connected to Steve Moore and Steve Forbes. It's not anymore, is it? Well, no, it's not at all. And, and, and look, they, they do agree with President Trump on occasion. In, in the Liz Cheney race, they are on the side of uh, Harriet Hageman, who is the Trump-endorsed candidate there. But for the most part, they have really found themselves on the opposite side of President Trump. And it's for the life of me, I don't understand it. What President Trump did in office for four years was everything the Club for Growth says they are for uh, and have been for since they're founded. So it's interesting. Do you see the same phenomenon that I'm seeing? Is that all these never-Trumper groups... They're trying to damage Trump's credibility, and even if it means supporting a liberal, they like for example, there are some people that hated Donald Trump so much, the Never Trumpers, that they voted for Joe Biden and they voted for this yeah, disaster of a president right. that we now have. That's right, and and whether it's con- these groups that you're talking about or individuals, look, Larry Hogan, uh, Governor Ricketts in Nebraska, uh, uh, Chris Christie, uh, you know, there's some people out there who are, are Asa Hutchison, who have never really done uh, much on their own as far as the conservative movement. They haven't done anything as far as the conservative movement is concerned. But they, they come out against President Trump because they have to find a lane for themselves for their own futures. They have nowhere to go except to try to be against Trump. And it's, it, to be honest with you, it's not a good game plan. Oh, it's not a good game plan. All right, so that's taking place today. Uh, what were the polls showing going into today? So Dan Cox has been leading in pretty much every poll that I have seen um, by by three to five points, uh, and I think he's going to hold. We we see low turnout across Maryland today, which I think in everything we've seen in prior states really shows the that Trump motivated voters are going to be the ones turning out in bigger numbers, and that's going to help people like Dan Cox and Trump endorse candidates down ballot. All right, Dave Bossy, we'll be watching. We'll uh, report tonight on Hannity as the election results come in. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks for the update, my friend. Thanks, Sean. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, to our busy phones we go. Marshall is in the incredibly beautiful state of Montana. It's been many a day, Marshall. I'm sitting here, my New York studio, I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here? I could be out in the wilderness looking at God's majesty in Montana, and I'm thinking, I think you're a lot smarter than I am. Well, I was uh, right here from North Carolina 21 years ago, so I, I didn't really have much of a say, but I love that I, that, that happened. Um, been all around Montana. The Bitterroot Valley is by far the most gorgeous part of Montana. I mean, Glacier's pretty, too, but... <laughs> Montana is wonderful, except this time of year, 100-degree weather. I'm, I'm used to 40s and 50s. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's, that's a little colder for me. I have a little bit more problem with the cold than maybe you do. The cold part doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. 
Yellowstone appeals to me. I'm, I'm kind of looking at that life, and I'm like a little envious in the back of my mind, or I look at people that live off the grid in Alaska, and I think, could I ever do that? I'm not really sure if I'm courageous enough to do it. Yeah, there's a, there's actually quite a bit of people that I know personally who are um, building their own off-the-grid kind of little homesteads. It's, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. I, I don't know if I could do it, but it's pretty cool, that's for sure. Definitely rugged individualism uh, as defined. What's on your mind today? So first thing, thank you to your call screener. She's awesome. Kind of just wanted to call, and uh, you don't need any words of encouragement from me. You're a tough guy. But, uh, you know, I just, it, it, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way when people go out and they say that conservatives and people with, you know, loud voices like yourself go out there and try and stir up violence when really all the, the, the large message is, you know, just let me live my life, man. Like, government get out of here like that's the whole premise of of america i don't need someone in dc telling me how i need to live my life i'll refer to my local authorities that's fine but i don't need someone out there telling me that i shouldn't have this type of gun or i need to pay for this person's health care or no 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 no. that's not why i'm out here (laughs) that's not why i'm an american i don't need to take care of everyone else i'm here to take care of me and my family and so it kind of rubs me the wrong way when you have people out there saying that, you know, just simply stating that, you know, that us as conservatives were really focused on life, liberty, and happiness, but somehow we're spreading violence and enabling people to go out and do very heinous things. I mean, you have radicals on the left. We've seen now, what, 50 pro-life crisis pregnancy centers vandalized, churches vandalized after the Roe v. Wade decision. You see, for example, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. We saw what happened in the summer of 2020. Democrats were either quiet, the majority of them were quiet, said nothing. Or they just lied to us and said, oh, these are mostly peaceful. They weren't. Or they were activists like Kamala Harris and saying they shouldn't stop, they won't stop, beware, take note, and then, you know, promoting bail funds for people that were involved in the rioting. It's amazing the double standard, but you're referring to Republicans always being called racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, wanting dirty air and water, blah, blah, blah. It goes with the territory, but that narrative, they it's sort of like the boy who cried wolf. It's, it just doesn't have any impact anymore because they've... It's number one based on a lie, and number two, they've overused it. They have no, they have nothing to run on. The only thing they've got is, oh, Republicans are going to outlaw all abortion. That's a false narrative. Oh, Republicans uh, want everybody to have a gun. No, they believe in the Second Amendment. Republicans support January 6th. No, I condemn January 6th in, in real time. We have to protect elected officials at our institutions. Absolutely. I even turned to my wife on January 6th and I said, man, I've never felt so disappointed in, in the people that I support. Even if they didn't fully have anything to do with it, I've never felt so disappointed because that was just horrendous. But then you can't you can't just well, did anybody on the left, did they, were they the disappointed worst. in the summer of 2020 rioting? Why oh, wait, no, where was the committee investigating that? We, we lost dozens of Americans, thousands of cops injured, billions in property damage. Where's that investigation? Probably about as close to their support to conservatives as a, you know that's that's where it's hidden just I, I just wanted to call in and say thank you for having such a loud voice i thank god for your opinions your mind and your and your voice well i, and, pre- yeah, I can't do it, it without it you up, man but it's all of us you got to remember this it's just not me i'm only one vote it's all of us of all hands on deck and that's it this is this is now a very pivotal moment for the country 
and and we can take the country back. We can we can get America back on track. We've done it before. We can do it again. But we have to take it seriously. And if we don't take it seriously, we'll get the government we deserve. It'll get it will get worse. If you let them take over, it will get infinitely worse. So, you know, it's up to we the people to make sure that doesn't happen. Anyway, my friend, enjoy the beautiful Montana skies out there. Appreciate you being with us. Ryan is in Wisconsin. Ryan, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm probably better than I deserve, Sean. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. What's going on? Uh, real quick, I just kind of wanted to second that last guy. Your screener has got to be the nicest girl in radio. Why is everybody uh, flirting with my phone screener? What's going on lately? Everybody's flirting with Katie. Everybody wants so to nice. date Katie. Katie's getting like hit on every day. She's so pleasant. I mean, he, 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 what, do you, what else do you do? I so, don't, listen, uh, I just, I'm not against it. She's free to you know hang up on you if she wants. She doesn't do that. Well, I had a, a couple points I wanted to talk to you about, Sean. I'm, I am a um, 39-year-old small business trucking owner-operator. Um, you know, and you hear a lot of stuff going on the radio about supply chain and fuel costs. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes, in, goes into it than a lot of people realize. Um, you know, for instance. Uh, are you, are you, you an owner-operator or you work for a company? I'm an owner-operator, sir. Oh, okay. So you, how many so, trucks do you have? Do you just have the one or you have a, a, a I, couple? I've I've just got the one. I'm working on it. I actually just uh, got rid of my tractor uh, just because, you know, the obscene costs um, and bought a dually and a 40-foot flatbed to pull behind it, and I've been running like that for about a month. And uh, Good for you. You know, obvious, obviously but, the but, but it's, are it's These are hard times right now. Look, trucking has slowed somewhat for the summer, but you know and I know it's seasonal, so you're going to pick up probably in the fall, right? Well, this is technically supposed to be the good time of year to run. Um, yeah, you know, but but the thing is, with the with the diesel prices getting you know sky high, what a lot of people don't understand is that 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 lowers the amount of things that are getting shipped, right? And think of it like supply and demand. When when everybody wants something, people that are selling it can charge whatever they want. Okay, so as the fuel prices go up, the amount of goods being shipped goes down, which means there are less loads available. Um, and there's not a lot of direct shipping going on unless you're, you know, one of the mega carriers. They don't really feel this that much because they've got contracts with all these big shippers where they're getting paid a set rate no matter what happens, right? What's left, you know, goes out to the brokers. So as a small business owner, um, owner-operator, you're going to get probably 90% of your loads that you run from the load boards. Okay, the load boards deal with the brokers. Well, here's what happens. The shipper goes to the broker and says, I have this load that needs to be run. They may pay the broker $4,000 to get the load run. The broker can pay the drivers whatever they want to pay, right? And That's all true. Load, I know about the bulletin board. I know about the brokers. I know because I have friends in the trucking business. However, it's your truck. You get to pick what loads you're going to take and which loads you're not going to take. And and by the way, it's an art form to map it out where you drop off a load and you don't have to drive too far to get another load. Right, right. Well, that is that is true to an extent. But, you know, at the same time, if you own a lemonade stand, you're not going to stop selling lemonade because you don't want to use those particular lemons, you know. So it's it, there are times where you're going to have to take loads that, that are not as profitable. As should. Right. Well, like look, I, 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 the, only, the only thing I could say to you is, you know, be, you're, you're a smart guy. I can hear it in your voice. Just just be super smart about it. 
And if it's not worth taking that load, it's not worth taking that load, period. And it's got to make financial sense or else, you know, you don't work for free. And in this environment where diesel prices are high, people have to expect the cost to go up. So, you know, make sure you're a tough negotiator and and lean on those brokers because all of those loads are up to bid. And you know what? They need to get those or they need to get those trucks there to get those supplies out or else they're not going to be brokers very long. Um, But I do sympathize with what you're going through. And I also want to thank you for what you do, because everything we have and every store we go to got there because of guys like you. So I appreciate everything you're doing, my friend. I'm just short on time. That's going to wrap things up with today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News, Laura Trump, Mike Huckabee, Joe Concha, Pam Bondi, Mark Meadows, Dan Bongino, Geraldo Rivera, and Larry Elder and Myra Flores, the new congresswoman, will join us. Uh, She's being attacked again. Why is it open season on Hispanic Americans that happen to be conservative? It's unbelievable. Anyway, 9 Eastern news you'll never get from the media mob. Hannity on Fox. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thank you for making this show possible. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.